Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We welcome you to your favorite hour of the week. It is Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you, sort of. But a little bit of a different version. It's a best of version because it's Thanksgiving, which is one of the best times of the year, and because Keith and I wanted to enjoy it. Not that we don't enjoy this show, so we're going to... We had other things to enjoy. We're going to flash back to some of the best uh, interviews we did over the course of this fall. But we're also going to preview the matchup with Florida, and who better to talk to about that matchup uh, that comes up this Saturday at noon than our very own... Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld. Let's get him. Time now for our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld to join us, and he does so without the courtesy of the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, which ensures your future together. That said, uh, he's live and in person next to uh, Keith Jones and I. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Doing very well. Going to get a little fatter tomorrow on Thanksgiving probably, but, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is one thing, and we all have lots to be thankful for. It's also an indication that it's FSU Florida week. So, Tim, as you go in, you've got two teams that have – both underachieved, certainly haven't met their goals of what they wanted to accomplish this year. What do you expect on Saturday? Well, I, you know, it could be interesting. Uh, there's, there's a lot that could happen between now and then in terms of, you know, what Florida's going to do with their coaching search. Uh, does that have any impact on the way they play? You know, what's the crowd going to be like? Are Florida fans going to be into it? Uh, are Florida State fans going to come down and snatch up some of those tickets? There's kind of a lot of dynamics at play. Uh, but I think Florida State's win against Delaware State, you know, look, I understand that, that opponent, was, opponent wasn't the 85 Bears. But to see Florida State do what it did in all three phases, they scored a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams, just looked good doing it. You know what I mean? Looks like a Florida State football game against an overmatched opponent. First time we saw that this year. Uh, just to, for those guys to know in the back of their heads that they can go out and dominate somebody. They hadn't done it yet this season. Just to know that they can going into this game, I think, is a good thing. Tim, is it fair to say that both teams have been a little bit handicapped all year? FSU loses their starting quarterback to Alabama. Wide receivers have had some injury. Uh, you lose an offensive lineman, a couple of kids on the defensive side, particularly the safeties haven't been able to play. And then on Florida side, different reasons, but you had eight or nine kids that haven't been able to participate that were expected to be contributors. Uh, you know, how, how much do you make of all of that in terms of justifying how this is the first time in a long time when these two schools have met with losing records? Yeah, I think it's the first time ever they said, at least at the end of the season. Uh, so we, we'll, we'll bury that one in the uh, in the game notes. But yeah, no, look, it, it absolutely does factor in. I think we talked about this last week. It's you've gotten so used to Florida State not having its starting quarterback that you forget how significant that is. But man, it's their their starting quarterback. Anybody, well, there's many teams in the country that could lose their starting quarterback in the first game of the season and expect to still go on to have the type of season they were hoping to have before that. I mean, it, it's just kind of crazy. And same thing for Florida. They've got a, you know a ton of guys hurt. Their top receiver and top running back were both suspended. They they couldn't figure out a quarterback. They finally looked like they had something going there with Del Rio, and then he gets hurt. Uh, and then you know, everybody knows sort of the drama down there with uh, with Jim McElwain and everything that happened. And those are the kind of things that, I mean, look, it's, it could be a fragile balance as far as winning and losing and keeping things afloat in college football and, and that many things and certainly changing coaches uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, that's a hard thing to survive. You know, my question is, you know, who's going to go go into this game and look and say, hey, you know, we might not have had the season we wanted, but we can still beat these guys. Uh, and, and who does that mean something to? Obviously, Florida State has a little bit more to play for in terms of being able to still go to a bowl game and, and have a winning record. But, you know, this is, is the game that matters. Who, who wants to beat their rival? Who's going to say, hey, you know, we, we might not have done everything we wanted to, but we still have this. And that was going to be my next question, Tim, because you've got the rivalry and the bragging rights, but you've got – 
if you separate that out, who does have more to play for? And really, it's Florida State in terms of extending that bowl streak, unless Florida's uh, motivation is ending that bowl streak for FSU. It's an interesting dynamic. Right, and, and that's, I guess, where the question lies in is, does having things to play for beyond just this game, does that maybe work against Florida State? I wouldn't think so because it's not like guys aren't going to be motivated to beat Florida. But for Florida, this is it. This is it. This is Florida's last game. We know that. They're not playing another football game this year. Uh, so their last chance to feel good about themselves is to beat Florida State, whereas for Florida State, they're still, no matter what happens in games, they'll still coming home uh, and playing against ULM. And then, of course, if you beat Florida and ULM, uh, you're off to a bowl game. So we'll see how much that factors in. It, it does make me a little bit nervous, I'll be honest with you, especially since the game's down there. Uh, and, and if the game were here, I think it'd be one thing, but it's, it's always a difficult place to play. You still have a freshman-heavy team uh, going to play in what can be a tough environment. So uh, I think, like you said, Tom, Florida, Florida State absolutely has more to play for, but Florida has enough to kind of give you pause and, and you know, hold off writing that, that W in pencil too quick. The one thing I do know, Tim, and I'd be interested in your perspective of it, is – because it's a rivalry game, what what's supposed to happen very rarely happens, and things that you don't anticipate taking place do. And, and you can throw records out the window, you can throw streaks, you can throw trends, you can throw tendencies. Uh, this game takes on a unique flavor every year for reasons that many of us can never re- even predict. No, you're absolutely right, and especially even just think of the the games under you know in the current era, the Jimbo Fisher slash Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain era, the, the last seven or eight years. There have been kind of some weird games and, and games where I think, you know, maybe the, the team that lost feels kind of obviously Florida State's done most of the winning over the last few years. But in the 2012 game uh, in Tallahassee, you know, Florida State had the, the lead in the fourth quarter and felt like they probably should have won that game. There was a game a year before in Gainesville where Florida State had something like 90 yards of offense, won the game 21 to seven. You know, it's it's an odd uh, it's been an odd rivalry lately. Been been sort of weird, a little different than what we were used to in the in the 1990s when, when both teams were in the top five. Uh, so. A little different, but yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of hard to know what to expect because, you know, quite frankly, it's been kind of hard to know what to expect from each of these teams on a week-to-week basis. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I've, I think over the last five or ten years, the importance of winning this game as it relates to uh, winning the recruiting battles is probably overhyped a little bit. But the significance of this game for bragging rights and fundraising and the good-naturedness of Floridians can never be underestimated. Oh, oh gosh. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. It's absolutely right. And for, you know, for those of us, I think all of us did grow up in Florida and being around this rivalry out, oh, man, it means a ton. I agree with you on the recruiting standpoint. Uh, you know, I think whatever Florida does when, when, when they announce their hire, uh, they're going to get a bit of a boost on the recruiting trail. It's just sort of the natural way of things. But, you know, I think in, in general, uh, there's enough kids, there's enough talent in the state of Florida. The Florida State and Florida are always, there's going to be enough there's going to be enough players for Florida and Florida State to be good. That's not really an issue. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of bragging rights, I think for, for Florida State, uh, you know, there's something to be said. You know, when you go to the sports bars, like, hey, you know, we were, we were five and six or four and six. We came down there and you still couldn't beat us, that sort of thing. Or for Florida on the other side, like, hey, you know, you, you had that 36-year bowl streak, 35-year bowl streak. Well, it's over now. And guess who did it? You know, and, and those are, of course, you know, the worst-case scenarios on either side. But when you're thinking about talking smack to your buddies at, at, down at, you know, the sports bar or whatever, that's kind of what comes to mind. And, yeah, I man, that's, I mean, that's what makes the, the sport fun, right? I mean, that's what makes if, if you're not going to care about that kind of stuff, then why do you even like college football? Well, let's talk about how Florida State gets the job done then, Tim. What do you what do you see as the, uh, the the formula here for FSU, their their game plan? Uh, I think it's going to be running the ball. I thought it was really good uh, for Florida State against Delaware State. One, the, the starters didn't have to play 
all that long, but the more than just any starters, the fact that Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers had really light workloads against Delaware State. Each, each were able to find the end zone, but I think Jacquez had three carries and Cam had nine, something like that. So really a pretty light day at the office. Give those guys a chance to get a break, take a breather. Same thing goes for the offensive line. We know how banged up they've been uh, all, uh, all season, really. So for them to be able to have a lighter day at the office is a good thing because I think for Florida State, the, the, the key to success is really going to be what it's been when the offense has looked its best all year. Delaware State notwithstanding, which is run the ball, control the clock, let Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers do their things, uh, and let James Blackman in the passing game sort of fill in the gaps as needed. Uh, I like for, for Florida State to, to run the ball and control the clock and, and kind of take the air out of it and, and win that way. They've, they've been pretty good at it. Well, that's the, the age-old recipe, particularly when you're going into hostile territory because you, you control the clock. Hopefully you get up on the scoreboard, play with a lead. That gets the crowd a little bit out of it. And we've played at some places that are really loud. There are none that are worse than the swamp in terms of communication and trying to uh, you know uh, all keep on the same page. What happens if one team jumps out ahead of the other one quick? Does it become a true whitewash or, or will the other one come back? Well, I'm glad you were uh, you, you brought that up because that was the one point I was going to mention. Is I, I think it's really crucial to get the first uh, the first lead in this game. You know, Jimbo has said he mentioned after the Boston College game this team sometimes has had issues with you know when, when things haven't gone well. The next time you, you get a sort of a sense of like oh gosh, you know, the, the the here we go again itis if you will. Uh, we've seen that at times with Florida State. You've definitely seen it. I don't know how much you've seen with Florida, but watching those games and they lost what five six straight games to some teams that they're probably better than. You know, they, they could certainly have beaten LSU. They could have beaten Texas A&M. Uh, but then you go on the road to Missouri or South Carolina. There's no excuse for Missouri to be beaten Florida by four touchdowns or whatever it was. But when you go up there, you fall down a little bit. You know everything that bad that's happened to lead to this point. And, and things snowball really quickly. I think both teams have had issues with that this season. It seems like Florida State's coming out, of, uh, coming out of it a little bit more maybe than Florida has with wins in two of their last three games. But then you have the factor of going on the road, that if Florida uh, was able to get a quick lead, maybe even a two-score lead, get that crowd behind them, now all of a sudden they've got the belief and, and your guys are on the road in a difficult situation. So for me, for Florida State, uh, get that lead as quick as you can. Quiet that crowd. Maybe remind them that they've got better things to do on a holiday weekend and, and hit the road early. Uh, and that, to me, is a, a pretty good way to guarantee success. Well, it can't hurt that Florida State's last road game was against Clemson, which is obviously a pretty loud place to play, too. And James Blackman, every you know, he started every road game for FSU this year. One of the interesting uh, things that make this rivalry what it is, there's always players that know each other. And then uh, in the case of this year's matchup, Tim, you have a Gator quarterback and an FSU wide receiver who basically were the show together in high school in Felipe Franks and Keith Gap. Yeah, that is kind of cool, isn't it? Right down the road uh, in, in, in Crawfordville, I know talking to Keith, he's uh, he speaks really highly of, of Felipe. It'll be, uh, be interesting to see those two guys and how they get together. And you know, maybe uh, you know, I'm sure the question will come of uh, you know, you guys trading text messages or talking or any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it's I think the the Florida State Miami rivalry has always been a little bit more defined by that. Uh, but yeah, you definitely see it in the in the FSU Florida matchups as well. How different would these seasons have been if uh, Will Greer doesn't make a mistake and get suspended and is still a Gator? And DeAndre Francois doesn't get hurt in Alabama and continues to start for Florida State. I don't think it's a stretch to say at all that both teams would have certainly have much better records. It's funny we were watching West Virginia in the press box at, during the Delaware State game a few days ago, and you know Will Greer's out there just slinging around like he has been, looking really great. I was like, man, I wonder. I bet they regret running him off. I mean, I know you know you got to do what you got to do, and then you don't know how things are going to play out. But to see a quarterback like that. Uh, having that much success at another Power 5 program has to sting a little bit, especially for Florida, who's been playing musical chairs with their quarterbacks all season. Uh, and, yeah, you know, just to, to 
bring it full circle. Look, I, you know, I think that, that James Blackman, given the full body of work uh, and everything that he's done up to this point, obviously there's been some freshman moments, but given what he was asked to do and the circumstances of it, again, not to belabor this point, but we're so used to the way it's been over the last however many games, it, it feels normal. But in the big picture scheme of things, having a kid come in two months on campus and be the starting quarterback for you know, what began as the number three team in the country, I mean, that's a lot to ask. Uh, and so, you know, has he done a, an admirable job with it? Absolutely. Is it an ideal scenario? No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody would have would have said that this is what they want to happen at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I think it makes a, a big impact both on the game and, and on the seasons. All right, Florida State has to win on Saturday and, and beat Louisiana Monroe. If they do that, Tim, what's your thought on uh, where they would head in terms of bowl destination? I, well, you know, I, I think everybody here is kind of eyeballing and, and maybe crossing their fingers for uh, a trip to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. It's one that Florida State has a lot of history with. Or, excuse me, the, the Gator Bowl. I'm sorry, the Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, we've had representatives from the Tax Slayer Bowl uh, in the press, press box at Doe Campbell Stadium. A lot still has to shake out you know, with the ACC, and there are some rules there as far as records and standings. But I think if I, mean, I think the situation is if Florida State is able to go to, to the Tax Slayer Bowl and like, the rule says that there's nobody else in the ACC with better than a t- or a Two games better, I guess, so to speak. So if Florida State's 6-6, six and six, there can't be an 8-4 and four team eligible to go that would get passed over, uh, and Florida State would go there. But I think that makes the most sense. you got plenty of fans in the area. You can make it from Tallahassee. Fans in Jacksonville from around the state can make it much easier there than, say, I don't know, a Shreveport or El Paso. That's not the reason Florida State will be going to the Tax Slayer Bowl where they do go. The reason the reason will be it is the only bowl game with an ACC affiliation in which kickoff is noon. Oh, come on, Keith. Come on. Yeah, everybody's a comedian. We got to wrap things up, Tim. We don't have rapid fire to grade you on uh, from last week, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire away right now. We've just got one question. It's it's a pretty simple one. The uh, the over under on wins this week for Florida State is one half. So are you over or under against the Gators? We've done pretty well in this. I say over. I say over. In fact, I I think that they're gonna go in and, and it probably won't be all that close. He does work for uh, Seminoles.com, so he made the correct choice there. He's Tim Linnefelt. We appreciate our Seminoles.com insider joining us. Stay tuned. We're just getting started with the best of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we will continue right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. I should remind you that uh, the fine folks at uh, Madison Social and Township are open on Thanksgiving from 8 to 2 a.m. This is not for your Thanksgiving meal. This is for your post-Thanksgiving meal if you're looking for a a beverage of some sort or a wind down. We uh, thank them for their support of our program. We encourage you to head on their way and tell them that uh, we sent you. But uh, let's talk some basketball. This is is your other sport, Keith. And Terrence Mann's an interesting guy and uh, the leader of this year's basketball team. You know, it, it's it's amazing, but I, I'm one of these guys that thinks when Terrence, given what his production's been over the last couple of years, and now this into his next year, could easily be a double-double guy. I mean, he could average 12, 14 points a ball game, maybe not 10 rebounds, but 8 or 9 rebounds, and we saw him get almost those numbers in game number one. We had a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago, looking uh, ahead to this season. We're only a couple of games in, so this is still uh, worth the listen, so take a listen basketball season is here and as we go to the earl bacon agency hotline the earl bacon agency ensuring your future together we say hello to a guy who's going to be one of the leaders one of the stars for this year's basketball seminoles and that is terrence mann how are you 
I'm good. How you doing? We're doing great. It seems uh, it always comes fast, and I know for for you guys this year. Not that you're taking time off, but you got a jump start on the season, literally, because you had uh, I guess ten practices and three games in Jamaica. So, do you feel like you're a little bit further ahead from a team standpoint than maybe you would be in the first week of practice normally? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you could you could see it out there. You know, everybody kind of knows what to do. It's not it's not like it's the first week practice this summer. So, you know, even the freshmen out there kind of getting involved in getting a little more vocal than they normally would in the first week. I'm going to just go with the the uh, $64,000 question, and you're, you've already been asked this, and you'll get asked it a lot, but this is a team that won 26 games a year ago, but there's no more Jonathan Isaac or Dwayne Bacon or XRM. And you're, yeah. and you're quoted as saying, quote, people are saying we lost this, this and that, but you'll see it won't be a problem. We can score the ball. So tell us why you're so excited about what this team can do in terms of scoring the ball. I mean, I mean, everyone knows, you know, who we lost, like you said, but, you know, we got we got weapons. Uh, you know, I don't feel like we're missing anything, really. You know, we got three-point shooters. We got guys who can attack. We got low-post guys. We got mid-post guys. So, you know, I don't feel like scoring will be a problem for us. Terrence, Friday night uh, in uh, Tully Gym, we'll have the jam with Coach Ham. Uh, I think uh, most of our listeners would simply want to know, A, uh, will Coach Ham have the afro, and B, what do you guys think about it? Uh, I think Coach Ham will definitely have the afro, if I had to guess. You know, he hasn't said anything about it yet. And, you know, we love the afro. Uh, you know, it, it throws us way back because, you know, he has no hair now. So we love the afro. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I can't. I, I never remember Coach Ham with hair. He's He's been hairless since he's been here. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, yeah, t- I, I don't know. That's it, Tully Jim. Sorry to cut you off, Terrence. Doors open at 6. There's a dunk contest, a three-point shootout, a scrimmage. The Golden Girls will perform. Uh, that's all yeah. Friday night at Tully Jim as, uh, as we get going. Let me – bouncing it back to, to this year's team, I'm not sure that the average fan is aware of this because there was so much hype around Jonathan Isaac and, and Bacon, who was, was returning last year. But, you know, a year ago, mm-hmm. I think the team was – what maybe a top four or five class of freshmen or newcomers that came in because Isaac came, but this year's class is really highly touted, like number nine according to one service. Yeah. So, and MJ Walker's the headliner. But tell us a little bit about MJ and the other newcomers that are part of this class. I mean, this class, this class is great. I mean, just like the other ones we've had with Jonathan and you know myself two years ago and Bacon and Malik Beasley and everyone. You know, this class brings energy. Uh, you know, this class can really shoot the ball well. Uh, they, I don't know. They just they just got it, man. They can shoot the ball real well, you know. And they and they they got a lot of potential on the defensive end. So you know, this class is great. Terrence, uh, the last time you were out on the court officially together, we were all down in Orlando. You'd won the, the first game uh-huh. in Orlando. You lost the second game. You've got these newcomers coming in. What do you, as a veteran, talk about with these newcomers that that you learned from that loss? In, in Orlando that you think they need to be aware of as you prepare for this season? Uh, you know, I just, well, what we've talked about is, you know, I just tell them, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what game of the season it is, whether it's from, you know, the early game, early on when we're playing some mid-major teams or whether it's the games in the agency season, you always got to stick to what you do. You got to stick to the little things. And I think, you know, last year in the second game, the tournament we had gotten away from the little things that we do all the way in. I think it was like the 34th game of the season we were getting away from little things. So you never know when it can happen. So you just got to practice doing it all year and it will never happen. You know, I'm looking at this roster and you got CJ and you got PJ and you got MJ 
and I'm sitting next to KJ. Is there anybody else <laughs> we're leaving out here? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, and surprisingly, it doesn't get that confusing uh, with all those juniors. Uh, you know, we're not. It doesn't get that confusing, so it's pretty good. Well, it's and, then, and we got two walkers. We got two walkers on. So one's a walker. And they're both Walker Juniors. So. Well, just remember, when it comes to the J-Boys, I'm the one with the blonde hair. <laughs> and I sit over on the sideline with Deckerhoff. <laughs> well, well, I know. I know. And, and when it comes to PJ, here's how you can tell him. He's the one who shoots even if he's not across half court yet, right? Because he can make it from there. What What is <laughs> yeah, his range? Yeah, his what is his range? range? <laughs> um, I, I don't think he's found it yet. You know, he just, he just goes wherever and lets it fly. He's fun. I don't think he has a limit to his range, man. It's fun to watch him when he's getting hot. Now, so let's let's go back in the way back machine here because uh, your mom is a basketball coach. So, uh, yes, and, I, and your your dad was a big was a soccer player, right? Do I have this right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, when you were growing up, does that mean in the driveway you were playing one on one against mom? And and, uh, and and I imagine she still got a little bit of game. She started Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, when I was younger, you know, we played we played one on one a lot. She always used to beat me when I was younger, but you know now she can't take. <laughs> well, and your dad, and you played soccer as well growing up? Yeah, I played soccer all the way up to my sophomore year of high school. All right, so deviating off course here, how depressed are you that the U.S. didn't make the World Cup last night? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm not that depressed because they lost to, you know, Trinidad and Tobago, and my whole family's from St. Lucia. So those are kind of like countries that are near each other. So it's not that depressing to me just because who beat them, but. It kind of it's kind of sad. I think I've seen like they haven't made it since the 1980s or something like that. That was the last time they didn't qualify. 1986, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, f- so, so for perspective, what year were you born, Terrence? 1996. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hasn't happened yeah. in your lifetime. All right, you're letting Tommy make his case here for other things later on. I think Terrence, he, he may be he may be abusing I'm, you I'm, a little I may bit. Be scheming. <laughs> All right. Well, what, let me. We'll, we'll let you get going here. But what what do you want to see this team? Um, you know what? What do you think is the key for this team as you guys develop and go into the the, the schedule here in the next month or so? Uh, I just I, I think the key is you know just to get back to what we were you know what we had last year you know a lot of energy off the bench and you know make sure we got to make sure that we stick to doing the little things you know no matter what game it is so we're, you know by the time tournament time comes we're not out of it. Well, my last question for you, Terrence, is, uh, and, and I'm not a coach, but I'm old enough to be a coach. But uh, how's the free throw shooting improvement coming? Oh, it's, it's coming along real well. Uh, you know, I got a lot more confidence. A lot, I got a lot of reps uh, from the free throw line this summer, so uh, it's coming along great. Well, I told people all last year, if Michael Ojo can make the improvement he made. Anybody can make the improvement from the free throw yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, good luck to you and the Seminoles. Uh, we look forward to seeing you as the new year gets started here pretty soon, including the jam with Coach Ham on Friday night. Thanks for joining us, Terrence. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm excited. Again, that was Terrence Mann from the basketball team. Appreciate him joining us. Obviously, uh, the men's team uh, back in action on Friday after Thanksgiving with an 8 o'clock tip. We'll step aside, come back and talk women's basketball with head coach Sue Semrau right after this on Front Row Knowles. <laughs> Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
say hello to longtime head coach of the Florida State women's squad, Sue Semrau. Coach, how are you? I'm great. It was a great, great game for the men last night. Excited for them to to tip off the way they did. Yeah, they look good, and I know your team uh, has looked good thus far, and you're getting ready for a big game on, on Friday. Anytime you play the Gators, it's a big game. But before we talk anything about this year's team, congratulations. You're absolutely killing it on the signing trail. I mean, I think you've signed <laughs> five so far, and your class is maybe number three for next year. So obviously you're a great salesperson, and you've got a great product to sell, to sell. But uh, you know, just, just kind of walk us through how you've had such a put together such a great class for next year. You know, it's been such a cool process here at Florida State to, to come in uh, so many years ago and and watch the the program build. And there's so many things that go into that. It's but it starts with the people, and that has never changed. Uh, Florida State has just exceptional people, uh, people of excellence, high high character, high quality, and that that really sells itself. You know, you, you look at now being a preeminent institution and what John Thrasher has done. Uh, what we've been able to do as an athletic department with every team going to the NCAA tournament a year ago and back-to-back a few years back. So those types of things come together and it makes it an attractive place for, for people to come play. It doesn't hurt when you've been to the Elite Eight two out of the last three years. Congratulations on that, by the way. But I know that that's not the, that's not the end goal, and I'm sure that it sticks in your craw that you don't have that Final Four yet, but I, feel, I know that you're right there. So how much is that a point of motivation or a topic of conversation with you and your team? Well, you know, that, that does, it hurts to come so close. You know, we were three possessions away uh, two years ago and uh, three minutes away another year, and, and it's just, you know, that type of of drive and laser sharp focus that every team now comes in with. And there's a standard that's already been set. The alumni have been fantastic to come back, support, be a part of it and know that we've all built it together. So we're, we're working hard in, in that way. And uh, I think that's what a lot of these recruits are saying too, is you know, we can play with great players and we can do something that's never been done here in the state of Florida. Sue, one more big picture, uh, and, and, and I'm just curious because uh, our, our listeners may not understand, but when it comes to women's athletics, I'm sure you talk to your colleagues around the country, and they, they have to spend X percent of their time demanding, requesting, coddling, trying to get resources. How, how much does it free you up? I know you still do that, and I, I know there's still some bias, and you're, you're overcoming some additional challenges, but but how how freeing is that? You mentioned the alumni, you mentioned the administration, where you can you can spend your time coaching your team and recruiting players and not having to worry about you know administrative type stuff. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, Keith, because I, I feel like from day one, I've had to get outside of my personality as far as as the patient factor that if you're going to build something then you have to drive and part of that has been driving the the administration to get to a point where we it's not like oh we want what the men have it's we want what Tennessee has we want if we want to succeed at that level then we've got to look at the, our peers in women's basketball at that level. And, you know, quite frankly, we're still not there. It's every, every year it's a new challenge. Uh, you look at even football. You look at what Jimbo has been able to do at Florida State and will come back and have a fantastic finish to his year. But all the other programs now that are succeeding have more. And it becomes this arms race. And that makes it extremely difficult when it's happening in every single program. On that being said, it's been exciting to have built and to have fought and to now be able to 
to look at things that are at a higher level and not being building from the ground up. As we got ready for this interview, Sue, I said uh, I'm not going to do this again because every time I talk to you as someone who's been associated with women's hoops, I can point to just where the program was when you arrived. But here I am. I'm going to do it again. And I know you don't, <laughs> you don't want to look in the rearview mirror. You're about looking ahead. But I just don't know that our listenership truly has the context of where the program was, winless in the ACC. Uh, I mean, to be frank, and and you might not like this term, but really a laughing stock or at the bottom of the league. So you're to be commended. Why did you take this job? <laughs> Just because Tom Block uh, came to school here. Ah. I had heard about the great Tom Block, and I wanted to build our careers together. Well, congratulations. Uh, Between the two of us. One of you has succeeded. Yes, if we average it out, we're both doing okay. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Shaquilla Thomas, Sue. Uh, I I know you lost, you know, to me, I I loved watching Leticia Romero play and the way she, uh, you know, could handle the point and that sort of thing. But but you've got a player in Shaquilla now who has... I know around the league that when the opposing coaches break out the game tape and prepare for FSU, they're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with Shaquille? And now she's a senior. Uh, I think she's on pace as I look at this to, to end up as certainly the number three all-time leading scorer in program history, probably or potentially the number two all-time scorer. So, uh, I mean, she's just a freak that you've you've got the pleasure of putting out in that starting lineup every game. Yeah, you know, the, the best thing about her is uh... – it's her humility, and we went up and played at Jacksonville State this past weekend, and we stopped by her hometown of Sylacauga. Her family, which is huge, uh, rented out the church uh, fellowship hall and just cooked, and it was unbelievable. There, there were probably over 100 people there uh, in support of Shakela. Uh, our team got a chance to meet her uh, extended family, and that's what I love about Shakela. Everybody sees her jump shot. Everybody sees her athleticism, uh, but we see her heart and that's, what's going to take her so far and already has. I've known her since she was, you know, in the seventh grade and she's, um, she's a very humble, very talented young lady who has uh, high aspirations. And, uh, certainly we haven't finished with her game yet. Sue, you and the, the ladies took a trip uh, this summer. Uh, the NCAA allows those, what, once every four years, whatever the requirements mm-hmm. are. Talk a little bit about uh, going overseas with this group and, and uh, what you were able to accomplish and, and maybe some of the fun things that you were able to do. Yeah, it was a really cool adventure. And one of the things we talk about a lot at Florida State is you don't just have education, but you get education in 3D. I mean, it's one thing to to look at, uh, you know, the – where the Pope lives in the book and then, you know, then to turn around and go to the Vatican. I mean, it's just completely different. And so to be able to do that kind of education three-dimensionally, have it right in front of you, uh, was just outstanding for us um, as, a, as a group, for them as young people, uh, to be able to go to Spain uh, where Eo Lopez is from, go to her hometown of Blanes and see where she lives, meet her family. It was just those types of things are memories you will never forget and it put us in a position where for 10 days we got a chance to practice together with some uh, new players and we got 10 days together and, and you you guys are all married you know it's not easy with uh, 15 women to hang out for 10 days I mean we were but they were great and they came became a very close-knit unit and it's really helped our chemistry so far let's move it back on the court a little bit coach uh, because you've got a new point guard this year I know uh 
I think Nikki Akamu and, uh, and and Wolfuck are off to good starts. Just kind of give us a thumbnail beyond uh, Shaquille in terms of what you've got out there right now. Yeah, we have a fifth-year uh, point guard, which is she's been phenomenal, and A.J. Alex, and she came from TCU. She graduated from TCU. Now she's getting a master's degree here at Florida State. Uh, has a ton of Big 12 experience, which was really nice because we were looking at probably having a freshman point guard in Siani Lasseter, and then in the first week of practice, Thayani uh, tore her ACL. So it's just a, a godsend that AJ's here, and with the kind of experience she has, uh, she just is a multi-dimensional player. And then you know, Nikki Kamu and Naja Wolfark were both just waiting in the wings and learning from both Brittany Brown and Leticia Romero. I mean, they were they're extremely talented, and both of them learned a lot. Didn't have to make their mistakes in front of people last year. And now they have a chance to step into the role that uh, that they came here to play. And it's been phenomenal. Amani Wright, I mean, I can't tell you enough. Uh, you know, she stretches the defense. She's ability, her ability to defend is, is phenomenal. Chatrice White, you know, another post player for us. who's a McDonald's All-American. Uh, you know, it just goes, we're, we're extremely talented. We're not as deep as we've been in the past, but extremely talented. Sue, so talk a little bit about your, your non-conference and then when you get into the ACC, your, your non-conference schedule and, and who you look to or who, who, who's going to be at the forefront of the ACC teams. You know, that's a, it's an interesting question because as soon as the season starts, I just look at the next game. And, and the next game is Florida. And I don't even look beyond it. I don't really care what's happening in the ACC. My mind is just locked in on um, beating the Gators and so we have to go down there this year. It's always a tough place for us to play. It's a tough game. It doesn't matter, you know, who has what. It's just a fight. And we know that in every sport at Florida State. So right now our focus is, is on the Gators. I will say that we have a, a great um, home game coming up in December with Arizona State coming in. It's been a team that we've met uh, before in the Sweet 16 on a couple of occasions. Uh, so that'll be a great matchup as well. But that's the only one I'm going to let my mind go to for the moment. Yeah, well, we'll cover your ears because you also play at Texas in December, and they're in the top five or top ten. <laughs> and, and looking at the polls here on the road at Louisville, uh, they're a top ten program at Duke. The ACC is going to be loaded as always. I cut you off, Keith. Go no, ahead. I was just fixing to say, Coach, tell us about Friday night's game. Forget the rest of the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> You're around basketball enough, Keith, to know. It's, I, I, it's I know. I stepped, right, I stepped right into that, and Sue, Sue appropriately but very nicely reminded me that I'm an idiot. <laughs> so let me ask you this who do you uh I, I know that um you know you knew john wooden and uh followed a lot of his leadership principles and and just in your time at florida state i mean you've had coach bowden and you got jimbo and mike martin i mean you can just pick a pick a sport and pick the coach at florida state and they're pretty established but is, is there somebody you turn to in terms of leadership principles when you're when you're working with your team or coaching your team in terms of this is this is who does it or this is what uh theories they subscribe to and, and i want my team to emulate that you know it's interesting because I, over the 20 years i think i've I've pretty much established the way uh, I want to do things uh, through the mentorship of so many people, all of those that you that you mentioned. Uh, there's a, a coach I worked with for six years, Jane Albright, who's now retired, that uh, is, a, again, a, just a tremendous resource for me. And then right now, too, it's been fun to watch the women's game uh, and us become more um, – open with each other about the things and the ways that we'll do things. And, you know, I 
I've learned a lot, and I hate this. I can say this now, but I, I won't ever say it again from Billy Donovan, because um, he's not at Florida anymore. I can be his friend, and I've learned a lot from from him. And and there's a lot of people I could pick up the phone and and call and ask, and and would just really respect their opinion. Well, Coach, uh, we respect certainly what you've done and continue to do with your program, and I uh, wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And the rest of the way, if there's anything after that. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be out there. Thank you, Sue. Okay, bye-bye. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. We're continuing with the best of edition of Front Row Knowles. One of the best interviews uh, and, and one of the really good guys, Keith, that uh, we had a chance to talk to earlier this fall. Your former teammate, Bobby Butler, a unique story, and we're glad that he shared it with us. You know, uh, Bobby and I were here all four years together. We started three years together. I think we started 36 or 37, 38 games. Uh, I, I had strong safety and he had strong corner. I, I really didn't appreciate and never really thought about the fact relative to him getting his degree. And here, 30 years later, over 30 years later, he's come back to finish up his degree at Florida State. Uh, It's a humorous uh, discussion, a serious discussion from a quality, quality guy. Former Knoll doesn't sound right. Once a Knoll, always a Knoll. But as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, uh, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together, we say hello to uh, one of the all-time greats at FSU, Bobby Butler, who was a teammate of KJ's. And uh, Keith, I'm going to let you do the heavy lifting. But Bobby, how are you? Just say, what's going on, B.B.? What's going on, my brother? It's always good to hear from you. As I mentioned, I'm going to let Keith ask most of the questions, but okay. we've had a little debate in here. There, there seems to be this this uh, conversation among Keith and I. <laughs> did did you make him or did he make you? Well, let me tell you something. He made me. Because one thing about Mr. Jones, he was always where he was supposed to be when he had to be there. So I could always count on him being in the right spot at the right time. <laughs> made my life easy well and between the two of us bobby had the speed and and uh bb you may not know this i don't think i've ever mentioned it to you but the one and only time coach bowden ever introduced me uh-huh. <laughs> he he says uh, i was he was asked to describe me and he said he had that i had accuracy of movement <laughs> he said he said jones was always where he needed to be because if he ever got out of space he didn't have enough speed to recover <laughs> Well, I, I, t- I tell you, you are accurate. You are always where you're supposed to be. I always say this about you, Keith. You're one of the most intelligent football players I've played with. Well, I appreciate that, BB. I appreciate that. Speaking of intelligence, and uh, and I'll add in perseverance. Most of our listeners have seen the the, the newspaper. We've talked about it a little bit, but uh, one uh, Robert Butler goes back and gets his degree <laughs> thirty seven years after leaving Florida State. How in the world? What in the world? What was that? How was what was that like? Well, well, let me tell you something. It was crazy, right? And um, at my age, going back to school, you know, keep remember back in the 70s and early 80s, there was, there was no personal computers. We had no Word document. We had no PowerPoint. We had none of stuff. <laughs> it was an old school 
smooth way of studying and taking notes and doing those kind of things. And so I was kind of outdated. And um, I thank God I had help from my kids. It's amazing. Uh, I I mentioned to Tom, uh, and I hope you won't mind me sharing this, but uh, you and I talked Mm -hmm. last week when uh, when Mm -hmm. the article first came out. And and we talked on a Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. And I was congratulating you on getting your degree. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, and t- Tommy, he goes, KJ, wait a minute. I got a final on Friday. I still got to pass. <laughs> I, I got to pass. <laughs> well, it, it was tough, too, man. I'm telling you. But I, I, I got out of there with, with, uh, with flag colors, so I'm, I'm happy about it. So we, we're actually finished right now. We're done. Everything is in the bank. And um, I'll wait to get my degree in the mail. Well, congratulations to you. You know, I talked to some of the folks at, at FSU, and they there's a there's a handful of players that uh, have been out a few years that are back working on it, including Jameis Winston and, and Devontae right. Freeman. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. Ashton Henderson at Florida State uh, told me that you know, I mean, you're you're a rarity to be as far removed as you were to go go mm-hmm. back and get that degree. So I'm curious, how far, or how many credits short were you, and and when and what motivated you <laughs> to to go back and chase this? Well, you know, the crazy thing, Keith, when I left there um, in 81, I had eight hours to get my degree. Those eight hours turned into 30 hours, 36 years later. And so <laughs> um, it's crazy, right? So Monk always tried to come back. Monk and I had conflict all the years, and um, I just couldn't stop my life to come back to Tallahassee to do my last 30 hours. And so I do it now. I can't come back to Tallahassee. I can't just drop everything and come back. Well, thank God for online school. And um, so we're able to get it done. What I know that uh, I saw you quoted talking about, uh, you know, you basically you need to practice what you preach because you've been telling your kids you need to get your degree. And yet, and yet uh, in your, in your mind, that was a little hollow because you didn't have yours. So what is, what has the reaction been from your family and your kids? Oh, it's been crazy. Matter of fact, they're so happy that I'm done because I'm, I'm I'm a a kind of, how can I say it? I can't study like the kids today, so everything has to be silent in the house. If they make a little noise, I get upset and I get all over them. And so they're happy for me to be done, but they applaud me. And, uh, um, and you know, all, everybody in the family now has their degree. My baby boy is still working on his. He'll be done next um, spring, but um, everybody's going to be college educated. Well, what a, what a lot of people may not know, we've talked about the fact you spent 12 years with the Falcons, uh, but mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another butler in the NFL these days. Oh, absolutely. My uh, second son, Bryce um, Butler, uh, wide receiver. Keith, you know, it, it's real. God, God has a great sense of humor, right? So, you know, you know my size. I'm 5'11". I come to college at uh, 5'11". I weighed 145 pounds my first year. One forty. That's 145, folks. 145. <laughs> and then four years later, I graduated. I got drafted. I was 155 pounds. Yeah, you put on so, weight. That weight program. And the, <laughs> and, and, right. And the, and the most uh, I ever weighed as a professional was 172 pounds my last year. And my son Bryce is 6'4", 220-pound wide receiver. And cannot run his dad. That, that's crazy. I, I, I tell my son Garrett, I tell my middle child Garrett, my only son, BB, uh, who you've only met once, but when he was little, but uh, my son Garrett is six foot two, 220. Wow. That's crazy. And every time, every time he annoys me, every time he gets under my skin, I just remind him that if I was, if I had his size, I might have had an NFL career. <laughs> We're talking with uh, former Noel Bobby Butler. Bobby, uh, sticking with the football theme in your position, obviously had great NFL success. 
you know, more recent generations, uh, well, nowadays, if you talk to kids that are in their 20s, when they think of DBs from Florida State, they're going to think about Jalen Ramsey. I came through in the in the Dion and Leroy Butler and, and Terrell Buckley days, but uh, you were sort of at the starter, at the front end of that line, I guess, of, uh, of defensive backs who went on to great NFL success out of FSU. So, what what kind of a pride point is that for you as you look back at the long lineage now of guys who've succeeded at that position in the NFL? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's um, you know I'll, I can't take credit for being. Um, I mean, we had some, we had some, and also played for the Steelers and won four Super Bowl rings. And then we had a great corner named Bobby Jackson that played. Uh, we played with about one year, my freshman year, and I had a great career with New York Jets. So. We're having some, uh, obviously, some connection issues there with his phone. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we, are you listening? Yeah, no, listening? We, we can still hear you. And I know you referenced J.T. Thomas, who, of course, won several rings with the with the Steelers. Absolutely, he was a great football player. And then we had guys like Bobby Jackson, who uh, played with Keith and I when we were freshmen. Um, he had a great pro career cornerback for the New York Jets. And so, you know, with the program involved, and you know, in the state of Florida, you, you, you get your pick of recruits and. I'm quite sure every now and then you're a final corner somewhere <laughs> and all that speed in South Florida. Bobby, uh, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that Coach Bowden had two uh, defensive coordinators in his entire career at Florida State. Uh, <laughs> Mickey Andrews, who, who uh, I now consider a very good friend. I've gotten to know uh, over his uh, uh-huh. almost 30 years in Tallahassee. But our defensive coordinator, uh, yeah. Jack Stanton, who is uh, struggling a little bit from a health standpoint, but uh, he went on to coach in the NFL after leaving FSU and has quite a lineage uh, at the pro ranks uh, in terms of people right. remembering. What, some of the things we did were very innovative for the day. They'd be very rudimentary and very simplistic in today's environment. But right. some of the things we did in the late 70s were, were quite phenomenal uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I, I can say this, Keith. When I came to Atlanta, um, I had seen it all. The, the only thing I had to learn was the new terminology. We played everything. We played um, trail technique, cover one, what they call cover one spec, you know, which is 22 man. Uh, we played everything. I was I was fully prepared for the league after going through Florida State. And then uh, you got messed up, and Jack actually followed you to Atlanta. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I told you this, but I really believe he resurrected my career because you know, Coach Stanton, uh, he coaches one way. He coaches every little detail. He coaches performance. I don't care if the ball is coming at you or not. You better be running to the ball. And so you're conscious of every little thing you're doing. And so, you know, as a pro, you get to lose that because you're not coached that way. You better show up with it. Nobody's going to motivate you. Nobody's going to push you that hard. But when he came to Atlanta, I tell you what, it was all it was FSU all over again for me, right? Yeah. Speaking <laughs> so, of that, yeah. He, re- he really resurrected my career. Speaking of that, uh, as we wrap up here, and, and again, uh, we're talking with Bobby Butler, uh, former Florida State All-American and uh, 12-year veteran in the NFL. Uh, we lost one of the great Seminoles last November, mine and your good personal friend, uh, yeah. and Monk Bonasort. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I, 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 there's not a day goes by I don't think about uh, about Francis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I tell you, I, I went to – I was home this week for a funeral. My grandmother passed, and the jacket that I wore to his service had the button number 42 on it. I left it on there. And I just saw it uh, this weekend and uh, brought back those memories. And, yeah, we lost a great one, um, a dear brother. Um, it's amazing how football, the game of football, brings people together from all different walks of life, all different religions, you know, all different everything. And so you and I and Mark, the friendship, the brotherhood that we've uh, we formed in the mid-'70s and uh, early-'80s, um, listen, I'll never forget it, and I'll never forget him. 
because he was just a positive, great, great man. Bobby, congratulations. It's uh, 37 you, years brother. after the fact, but uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of and for you. Thank you for the well, great example you. that you are. Well, thank you, my man. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, guys, I wish you guys the best. Hey, we appreciate it. When are you going to get your master's, by the way? Are you starting that program in the fall? <laughs> my wife says she's not going to let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> she said, until me, when school is going off. <laughs> All right, Bobby Butler, thank you so much. See you, BB. Right, thank you, guys. All right, baby. That's good stuff. You get uh, you get former teammates together. You just kind of stay out of the way and let them go. And I know that brings back some uh, memories for you, KJ. We, uh, I made the comment to him when we talked um, one of the last times we talked. I mean, and, and this is going to come across as maybe politically incorrect, so just stay with me for a minute. But you got an African-American from South Florida, Delray Beach, who comes from a Pentecostal church. His dad was a Pentecostal minister. You got a Yankee Catholic from Pittsburgh, and you got a redneck Southern Baptist from Wildwood. Now, I don't know what... And all three walk into a bar. Uh, all three walk into a bar. <laughs> uh, but all three walk onto a football field as youngsters in 1977 and leave uh, four years later with a bond that uh, can never be broken, even though we've lost Monk, and a friendship and an admiration and a love that is uh, unique and unlike anything you can get in any other environment. Now, to be fair for our veterans out there, I've, I've never been in the military, and I, I've been told that the military experience will, will bring that same type of camaraderie. I don't know that because I was never in the military. But I do know that athletics, and particularly football, does bring that. And uh, I love Bobby Butler. Uh, I love Monk Bonasort, and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody. Good story and uh, great fortitude to go back uh, at his age. And as we expressed in the interview, it's not like he needs the money. He wanted to pass on to his kids. It's important to get your degree. And so here he is at his age doing just that. A remarkable story, not only for his family and his children, but for other Florida State athletes to see that uh, you can be successful. Your pocketbook can be okay. But if you had an original commitment that you didn't fulfill, you're not too old to ever fulfill that commitment back to wrap up front row Knowles right after this Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu here's Tom and Keith Best of edition of Front Row Knowles. Folks, we want to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. Keith, we got the big game on Saturday, and that leads me to the big question. White meat or dark meat? Uh, I go white meat. Okay. I go white meat. But uh, Kathy makes this, uh, this stuffing, and she does something a little unique to it. She won't tell me what it is. I, I can't share the story because I, I mean, the secret of the recipe, I don't even know. Uh, but it is the bestest. Uh, just like we're doing the bestest of uh, Front Row Knowles, her, her stuffing is the bestest, and it goes with white meat. That said... And and I can attest that her cooking is fabulous. I'm still a little annoyed that I don't get the annual invite anymore since the primetime Noel Sun Sports thing went away. I mean, I haven't gone anywhere. That program did. <laughs> you still know my number. But anyway, uh, and the game? Uh, I look for Florida State to show well. Uh, I think uh, FSU knows what uh, the work ahead is. 
I think maintaining the streaks relative to uh, consecutive seasons in a bowl and consecutive non-losing seasons is uh, significant. And, and, and it's a rivalry game, Tommy. These kids know each other. We talk about that in the Miami contest. Same thing applies in the Florida game. They played with and against each other. It's for bragging rights. It has a, some effect, although coaches will might downplay it a little bit, but it has some effect in recruiting. And more importantly, it's just a game you want to win. You don't ever want to lose to the Gators. That said, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Enjoy the time with your family. We'll be back to uh, wrap up that matchup with the Gators on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday, Sunday morning right here. Until then, again, happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) 